Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Friend Show. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer, today joined by Mr. Michael Morris. Michael, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Um, from my hot and windy Cape Town, but in fine fiddle otherwise, thank you. I'm also joined today by Mr. Morris Root. Morris, how are you? Uh, how's Nick? How's Michael? And I'm talking to you from a overcast, stone terrain, East Rand. Ah. And I'm indeed in a Johannesburg, which is much the same as the East Rand right now, I think. Uh, but let us get stuck into the news today. We're going to be talking a little bit about the city of Joburg first. We're then going to move on to talk about the launch of the Build One South Africa manifesto. Uh, and then we're going to finish off with uh, some discussion of Panyaza Lasufi's campaign in Gauteng. So it appears that the city of Joburg's deterioration, which I have expressed uh, strong opinions on in the past couple of months uh, is continuing apace at an alarming speed actually um, so the city uh, budgeted uh, a certain amount in the previous financial year and it said that it was going to finance this budget by assuming that it was going to collect 87% of the revenue owed to the city uh, from its various bills mostly electricity water and refuse collection but that the city achieved only a 75% collection of revenue from ratepayers. Now that means uh, that the city was short 3.4 billion rand in its budget. Uh, Adding to this, uh, there are major problems with funding, particularly city power, which is apparently at least a billion rand in the red at the moment. And according to some sources that talked to the media to News24, um, ESCOM was actually on the verge of disconnecting Johannesburg because apparently the billing system, the centralized billing system in Johannesburg is so ineffective at the moment that despite the fact that the money was available to pay ESCOM, the processing of it took so long that the city was on the verge of being turned off. Um, the, the DAs said that they've heard the same thing um, and they attacked the city saying, uh, because now it's looking at rebasing its budget, basically saying that it's, you know, got a curtail spending because uh, it's got less money than expected. The DA said the city is looking at rebasing the budget. If it's rebasing the budget, it means it's not sustainable. We, the multi-party coalition, told the city that 80 billion rand was an unrealistic and unfounded number for the budget, um, and that the MMC of finance misled <coughs> the public by tabling this bill. So. Michael, let me start with you. It is kind of shocking to me that, you know, Joburg has been pretty badly run for a while now. But since the sort of ANC-EFF coalition took over, in my opinion, and I, uh, I think that the data and stories like this show it, the city has deteriorated at an incredible rate. Infrastructure is in a bad shape. Budgets are under strain. There's all sorts of mismanagement. Corruption seems to be out of control. And... You know, it doesn't look like there's any immediate hope in the future. Uh, there's been much talk about the EFF and ANC not being able to for, to stay in coalition together, and yet they still are in bed together. What, what do you make of the story? Mm. I think you know you, you're mentioning that is is, is quite right because uh, th- this really was always going to be the risk, and I think we've spoken about it umpteen times on 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 the show that where 
the political maneuvering going on becomes the central concern of the politicians, the people who are meant to be making sure that the civil service is doing their job, that the policies are effective, that whatever changes need to be made and are, are agreed and, and passed on to the to the civil service to, to enact. Um, all that takes second place to the power struggles and the, the obsession with, uh, with positions. We've, we've seen in Johannesburg over the past two years all sorts of peculiar people coming to the fore and uh, assuming prominent positions and, and saying all sorts of inappropriate things. Um, so, and I think all of this is, is, is symptomatic of, of exactly this, this dynamic. Um, and I think you, you're quite right. It, when it comes down to the, the rands and cents of how the city is actually run uh, and, and, the, and the prospect, is, as the story uh, highlights, of, of Johannesburg actually being having its power cut off, um, <laughs> this, this is a very real problem uh, in, in you know, nuts and bolts terms. Um, so, yeah, a, a very serious thing. Um, I'm, I was interested to see at the end of the story the reference to um, ESCOM having responded to a detailed query saying, ESCOM's Gauteng leadership is meeting City Power on Tuesday to discuss the electricity account. So this, this is actually, it suggests some, um, some uh, a, a sense of, of haste and urgency, on, certainly on the part of ESCOM. I think it's probably a good thing they're going to, you know, presumably people are going to have to come up with answers. Um, one hopes that the journalists are going to follow up immediately on Tuesday afternoon, tomorrow afternoon, and, and say, so, you know, what happened in the meeting, what's been decided, uh, because that's essentially what we need. I think we need all the public officials to be under pressure to deliver the, the answers, to say what's happening, to give account, you know, an account of themselves. Um, uh, and we just, <laughs> we just hope it is going to work. As you say, there's some doubt about whether uh, these problems are remediable in the short term. Yeah, now the fact that there is an ongoing meeting between ESCOM and, and City Power to be held <clears throat> makes me a little bit worried that this crisis is not yet resolved when it comes to turning off Joburg's power. Uh, Marius, I, I, you know, imagine for a moment that this hadn't been cleared up in time and that, in fact, ESCOM had cut the power to the city of Johannesburg. That, even if it had gone on for just a day, that would have been devastating to, I think, you know the ANC's prospects in the city, but also just the the uh, the country's economy. This is the heart, the industrial and economic heart of the country. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And um, you know, Joburg, for better or worse, is an important entity in South Africa, broadly speaking. And I think it was Herman Mashaba who said, and I agree with him: if Joburg doesn't work, then South Africa can't work. And I think uh, you know. Joburg, in a lot of ways, is a microcosm of uh, South Africa. We have uh, poor people living in terrible conditions, uh, alongside people who are fairly wealthy and, you know, living in basically, you know, first all kind of lifestyles and so on. And it's a difficult place to uh, govern. I mean, it's uh, the last census. I think there were about 5 million people in Joburg, probably more than that now. Probably 6 or 7 million people living in Johannesburg. So, it's you know, it's, that's bigger than some, uh, than some countries in the world. It's bigger than most of our neighbours, actually. More people live in Joburg than Namibia or Botswana or Eswatini or uh, Lesotho, whatever the case is. And it's also obviously got a, 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 I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Joburg's budget's bigger than some of the smaller provinces, such as the Northern Cape. So it's a really important place, but it's difficult to run. And we need to, you know, it, 
it, it needs to work for South Africa to work, I think. Uh, and, you know, Joburg has still got so much potential, I think. it's. Uh, I think anybody who is from here, and even maybe uh, uh, outsiders, there is something about Joburg, I think. And it'll be really sad if we do lose that, and if the city does collapse. But sometimes it is quite depressing. I mean, there's still patches of Joburg that are really nice to go to and so on. But I, mean, I sometimes uh, drive down Jewel Street uh, in Jeppistown. And just driving down, it's, you know, it, it feels like more like kind of a post-apocalyptic uh, kind of a movie set or something. You know, most of the robots don't work. People don't follow the road rules. People just walk across the road. Half the buildings are falling apart and decrepit. And, yeah, it's, it's not great to see. And there's many parts of Joburg that are like that. I mean, I think anybody who's from Joburg or visits here often can see it. Even a kind of a middle-class suburb like Melville, which I still go to fairly often. I used to hang out there when I was a student. You know, it's also starting to feel a bit tired. A lot of the shops are, uh, you know, uh, shattered and stuff. In, and I think it's 7th or 6th Street, I can never remember. <coughs> but the main road in Melville with all the, street, uh, all the restaurants and shops and so on. So it's definitely concerning. And I think, as I say, I think it's a microcosm of South Africa. And it's not going to be easy to fix. And I don't think the current uh, bunch that are governing Joburg uh, really uh, have any plans in place or actually really want to actually fix it. And we could see with the, you know, kind of motley crew that have been made mayor and so on of um, Johannesburg, they seem more worried about, you know, getting their faces in newspapers or about what's happening in Gaza and so on than what's happening in uh, Johannesburg. And, you know, whatever your views on Gaza, we can say, yes, perhaps it's quite important. But if you're the mayor of Johannesburg, you should be more worried about uh, your city, I think, than what's happening on the other side of the world. Yeah, especially when you don't really have any influence over it. Uh, it has it has been quite uh, shocking to, to sort of witness this this deterioration. Um, I saw, I was recently, you know, because I'm a nerd, uh, looking uh, uh, through Google Earth, I was looking at parts of Joburg, and there was this one, you know, they have that street view on, on Google Maps, and I was going through the street view, and I actually got a chance to see a snapshot between 2010 and 2022. Uh, so the, there was one photo that had been taken by the streetcar view in 2010, but then when you clicked once forward to sort of jump five meters down the road, it was suddenly you know close to the current year. And this was in somewhere in Hillbrow. Now, in 2010, Hillbrow didn't look great, but it is incredible to see what it mm. looks like now by comparison. Um, and that is a deterioration that's happened not, you know, in the last 20 years, 30 years, in the last 10 years. Uh, and I think I think that is a big part of the story of Joburg, particularly in, in recent years, is that there has been a marked decline in the efficiency of this municipality. And I do think that it is, ex is experiencing skills and capital flight right now. And if that's not a, a rest, that Joburg could become a very different city um, if it doesn't uh, turn itself around quite soon. Mm. Okay, let us move on to our last topic. Oh, sorry, our next topic for today. And this is um, Musi Maimane's party, Build One SA. Well, he doesn't like to call it a party, he likes to call it a coalition of independents, um, although he is running at, at the top of the ticket as the leader of Build One SA. They launched their manifesto <coughs> over the weekend. And their central promise is they say that they... If they were in government, they were going to focus on creating two million jobs within five years, which is pretty ambitious. But I think that is definitely a promise that many South Africans will uh, be quite interested in. Um, so they, they, he said, uh, we can't make promises we can't keep, but we can work together to build a better future for all South Africans. Uh, we, 
we can't promise people lives and say we're going to have everybody employed, but at least in every home, one person must be working. The party's manifesto also emphasizes what it calls quality jobs, particularly in sectors such as logistics and energy, which offer long-term stability and contribute to the country's overall economic growth. Uh, He also said there needs to be education reform. Um, He, um, Maimane, brought up the uh, adjusting the pass rate from 30% for some subjects to 50%, um, which I think is a very popular move amongst many South Africans. The party talked about its plan to train more police officers. They believe that there needs to be the training of 120,000 new police officers. Um, uh, as over the last sort of 10 years, we've seen a 10% decline in police um, uh, working in the police force. He talked a little bit about empowering security guards, essentially private security, uh, to integrate with the with security more and play better with them. Um, uh, the, the security personnel need to be empowered at ground level, equipping, equipping them with better intelligence and resources to effectively protect communities. He said the DA's vision of building one South Africa was impossible when so many citizens, particularly black ones, were unable to qualify for higher education. Uh, he also talked a little bit about changing the electoral system so that people directly elect members of parliament and constituencies which is a, a thing that some of the newer parties are very big on. So, Morris, let me start with you. Um, for what it's worth, I think that there are some good things in here. Now, it was a little bit frustrating. I tried to find the actual manifesto rather than the reporting on it, um, but it doesn't appear to be on the Build One SA website, or at least I couldn't find it if it was, and it also didn't seem to be tweeted out by them during the launch, which was a bit annoying. But... Uh, you know, absent some of the details that would be in that manifesto. What do you make of this? Um, what do you make of Maimane's party's chances in the next election? Uh, I think it uh, doesn't really reflect that well on BOSA. If uh, it's their manifesto is not that easy to find, if it's not on their website, it makes you wonder how well everything else is run. And obviously this manifesto sounds all pretty good and so on, but it's also typical of... Uh, South African politics, I think. We want more good things and fewer bad things, which, yes, obviously, that's what we all want. But uh, how are we going to get there? Okay, we're going to train more cops. Great. Okay. Uh, who's going to pay for that? You know, we already know that uh, police are often quite poorly trained, and there are fewer policemen because there's fewer, um, there's not as much money sloshing around as there used to be. And, okay, we, we improve the pass rate up to 50%. Uh, that's all well and good. Uh, is that actually going to make anything better? You know, are kids going to be equipped more for the few, um, for, you know, for the world of work or for going to tertiary education and so on. And uh, we can make the pass rate 50%, yeah, but then we have to make sure that people are actually, you know, they're being taught properly. And 50% could be, you know, it's, it's just an arbitrary <coughs> number. Are people actually going to be learning anything in our schools and so on? So, and also this issue of, uh, you know, uh, decent jobs or whatever the phrase was used, it's the same kind of thing as quality jobs. Quality jobs, yeah. So the same kind of thing that the ANC and its allies have always been talking about. And we can, you know, I think everybody thinks we should, uh, more people need to get quality jobs. But we're in a country where, you know, effectively half the country is unemployed. Let's actually start getting people into work in the first place. And then we can start worrying about quality jobs. So it's all, I mean, it all sounds very nice. You know, that's a great manifesto, obviously. You know, it sounds like, say, like uh, more good things, fewer bad things. But, you know, 
when it gets down to brass tacks, how are we actually going to get there? And that's the question. And yeah, I don't know how well Musi Maimani's party will do in the 2021 local government election. Uh, they backed a couple of independent candidates around uh, the country in some kind of community movements. And a couple of places, they've got a few seats. Well, I'm not too sure how well Musi Maimani's party will do here. Uh, I mean, he might get into parliament, but I'd be very surprised if he you know, gets anywhere north of 1%. I think uh, he's kind of fishing the same pond as Ra the Razum Zanzi uh, crowd. So, and I think they seem to be uh, doing a little bit better on um, you know, the kind of marketing and campaigning. And they also seem to have got a couple more people involved uh, than Musi Maimani. I can't really think of anybody who else is uh, quite well known that's uh, joined uh, BOSA. But you think of uh, Razum Zanzi, mm -hmm. there's actually uh, at least a couple of people you've heard of from before who are in, you know, Magashule, Ghana, for example, people who have been involved in active uh, uh, party politics in South Africa. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I think he might get a couple of seats in parliament, but, I mean, he's not going to come, you know, I don't think he's going to be in cabinet or become president or anything like that. Okay, so I did find that manifesto now. It was not under anything labeled manifesto, but I assume this <laughs> is it, reading the document now uh, on their website. Uh, the plan to uh, increase the number of, of uh, jobs is sort of detailed here in a bit of a, a bullet point thing, which I'll, I'll, I'll go through shortly. But, um, Michael, this is, I mean, to be fair, all political party manifestos usually end up being something like Mari's described, which is mm. more good things, less bad things. But, um, you know, in terms of more realistic solutions, um, there seems to be more of a focus on, I think, what South Africans, at least in Bosa's manifesto here, uh, are truly concerned about, and that is the headline being jobs, because that really is the <clears throat> fundamental thing that most South Africans demand, more than attention to corruption, more than some land reform, more than anything else, basically, <clears throat> you can list. Um, the only thing that ever competes in priorities lists for, with South Africans for, for most important is, uh, is crime um, and corruption, as... as uh, issues uh, what do you make of one south africa's prospects mm. uh, look I, i'm not sure about their prospects uh in any in any detailed sense uh, they, these are said as you say these are things that, that people are most concerned about um but whether they'll be convinced um is is another matter and i i sometimes wonder i mean i don't really know we, 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 would it be better for him to be more kind of direct and honest about job creation, for instance, which I think it is one of the most important, perhaps the most important thing for any politician in South Africa to focus on today. Um, and say, you know, the issue is not creating two million jobs. It sounds fantastic. The issue is what we need to do to create the conditions um, in, for instance, the logistics sector and the energy sector that he refers to, right across the economy, that will enable the people who are the only ones who can deliver jobs, which is businesses, to succeed, to, to flourish. And, and that's a much more difficult question. The politicians need to focus on finding the catchy phrases, finding the, the way to sum all that up very crisply and, 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 and with, you know, it's going to make an impression on voters because that's the message you've got to get across. We as the party, we as the government can't actually create the two million jobs. But what we can do, there are very specific things that can be done starting the, the day after the election, in fact. There are things that can be put into place right away just to make it easier to do business, to invest, to think of uh, the next five years instead of just the next one year, uh, and, and to give that confidence to people who are active in the economy, who are the ones 
who will, in fact, create the jobs, produce the jobs. And not out of the goodness of their hearts. I mean, that's the other point, I think. It's, it's, it, this is not an altruistic charitable exercise. This is simply an economy that is working. It's, it's, and it's working because people are going to succeed for themselves. And if they succeed for themselves, they're going to succeed for others. Um, and and it's, it's, it's precisely that message, I think, that people like Muzimamani should be getting across because, you know, I think he does have a voice in, in, in the political sphere. I think there are people who, who believe and trust him. Um, and he is making, you know, kind of emphasizing key things, crime, jobs, um, getting ahead, not making promises we can't keep, but we can work together to build them. This is all true. But these tend to be platitudes. What we really need to focus on are the hard, practical steps um, that whoever is going to succeed in this country needs to hear. So some of the ideas talked about in their manifesto are the creation of township special economic zones, um, I think the DA has also kicked around this idea uh, quite a few times. It's the idea that you would make certain parts of the country exempt from normal, uh, mm. for example, labor regulations or taxes or something yeah. like that. Um, they say that they will look into regulatory and in institutional deficiencies that hinder the growth of business and industries. Okay, that's fair uh, enough. A bit vague, but it sounds good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Collaborating with the private sector, business training and mentorship programs, um, private sector incentives to incorporate township-based businesses into their value chain, growing the number of technical training centers in strategic areas. Um, their plan for dealing with ESCOM seems to be very focused on competition in the, uh, in the space. There's a lot of this phrase kind of back to basics or fixing mm. the basics um, seems to come up a lot in the BOSA documents, which is... Uh, uh, I think very uh, good starting point. So I think yeah. uh, this is a I, pretty reasonable manifesto. Um, hmm. But I feel like uh, Bosa has been too. It hasn't managed to, as you say, you know, it hasn't managed to kind of grab the limelight in any real way in the public hmm. space. Yeah, I mean, I, I, in a sense, I feel I should. I have not having seen that document. I should take back a little bit of, of what I've said. But 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 exactly right. I mean, the, these are the things they must really focus on. Not the, the idea of two million jobs in two, in five years. Um, if it's if it's one and a half million jobs or two point one million jobs, that's really neither here nor there. What you want is a steadily growing uh, prospect of job creation. Um, but it is precisely through perhaps some of those very particular things that the that they've come up with that and that's what he needs to talk about I think you know he needs to convince people these are the things that need to be done not the big promises and not the yeah Morris any final thoughts on this before we move on yeah just uh, thinking what you're saying they haven't really managed to grab the limelight uh, I wonder if South Africa is due to have one of these kind of insurgent parties that come out of nowhere and then, you know, take 10 or 20% of the vote. We've seen it starting to happen in Europe a bit. Uh, Australia's also seen it a bit with uh, independents who are kind of uh, affiliated to the Green Movement, doing pretty well in the last government election there, or last uh, general election. I mean, uh, somebody like UKIP comes to mind. I just had a look now. They won over 10% of the vote in the 2015 uh, general election in the UK, which I think then led to Brexit and all kinds of uh, things that changed the uh, path of the UK. So in South Africa, we haven't really seen like a party that comes, you know, that doesn't really have, uh, hasn't done anything before and then suddenly comes and gets 10 or 20% of the vote. 
Action SA kind of did that in Joburg in the 2021 local government election, but nobody's managed to do it nationally really yet. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe we'll see one of these kind of black swan events and a party comes out of nowhere. And, you know, well, I think Lesotho is another good example. The governing party there, uh, it, it won the election and that was his very first election. So uh, it's thing, uh, an organization called the Revolution for, for Prosperity. So yeah, maybe maybe South Africa is due for that, but I think uh, politics is often a bit clearotic uh, compared to other places. But maybe twenty twenty four could be the different one. Definitely. Um, all right. So let's stay on the topic of election campaigning and move to comments recently made by Panyaza Lasufi, and uh, from you know <laughs> you can see quite a change here from Bill One SA's manifesto to to uh, Lasufi's promises. So, Lesufi was addressing a communal hall in Orlando East in Soweto um, over the weekend. And uh, he made a number of province, promises to people uh, that uh, of, of basically laid out the plan for what the ANC said it would do if it retained control of Gauteng. Um, he said that uh, 35,000 young people had been hired by the national government as teachers' assistants during COVID. Um, and that their contracts had all ended. But then he talks about perhaps reinstating these people on the provincial dime uh, in order to get young people back into work. Uh, he said that the that, that power cuts in Soweto would be ended by the introduction of new transformers that the provincial government would provide. Um, it seems more like a local government thing than a provincial government thing, whatever. Uh, he also said that Quote, we want to declare from 1st March, we need the veterans of Mkonto Sizwe and other military organizations. We need 3,000 of you to come and join the government and fight crime. All combatants of MK do not go on that side. Come to this side. We want to take you to tr the training to fight crime in Gauteng. Um, he, he said, quote, as well, we know ESCOM was an opposition political party in Soweto. I want to declare to you all that transformers that were not working in Soweto, the government that I have the honor to lead, we got 2,500 transformers and we are going to install all these transformers. I want to declare to you that the government believes in education. For the first time in the history of the education in this province, almost all of our district uh, officers, 8 out of 10 matriculants in Gauteng, have passed with bachelor's passes. We are saying every child that is number two or three in every school in Gauteng, the Gauteng government is offering a bursary until you finish your studies. This is how we fight poverty. Hmm. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I think some of these uh, promises lack credibility, particularly the one on the Transformers, um, because, you know, it's quite easy to buy lots of infrastructure. Uh, installing it and then making sure that it integrates and runs properly and is maintained properly is a much harder uh, set of affairs. Um, Michael, what do you make of Panyazula Sufi's ANC election promises? Mm. I hear an awful lot of money going out of um, <laughs> the provincial... Uh, <laughs> provincial coffers into every kind of solution my goodness they're going to be they're going to be employing thousands of people they're going to be buying transformers they're going to be i also like i mean i kind of wonder uh veterans of mk and other military organizations which other ones do you think he hasn't had certain certain ones i'm sure he'd exclude but i mean the other thought that occurs to one and this is the, the problem with this kind of nostalgic politics that, that the NC is now having to resort to. Surely the veterans of the MK are now, like me, getting a bit long in the tooth. Um, you know, how, what? I, I, don't, I don't think I'd be particularly effective on the streets as a crime fighter. Yeah. So I, it's I a bit hard to in imagine. Particular, 
being a guerrilla fighter is much use in doing uh, crime prevention. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Um, and then, I mean, just we, we were chatting beforehand about the you know the actual reporting of this of this uh, this event, and and the immediate thing that struck me is that the very first four letters, four words rather, of the intro are electioneering or genuine redress. Well, it's a good question in a sense, but you know, in twenty twenty four, to still be talking about redress, that surely points to exactly what the problem is. Redress we should have dealt with. Uh, very substantially within the first 15 to 20 years. But after 30 years, to still be thinking in terms of redress instead of, you know, moving on from the second phase of development or sort of post-democracy development, that, that's really where we should be, you know, getting up onto the next upper tier. But we're still floundering around. Um, and, of course, it suits the ANC to 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 uh, sustain that narrative that what we're actually dealing with is apartheid and race and all the rest of it, and I, we get to hear more of that, I'm sure, during the election campaign. But it is it is very um, symptomatic of exactly I think what's wrong with the ANC. Soweto is quite interesting, and I apologise if you can hear the the rain on my roof because it's starting to come down quite hard. Ah. But um, uh, the the ANC sort of has a slightly odd thing, which is that they will loudly and proudly say truthfully that look look at Soweto look at all the changes we've made and all of the roads we built and all of the electricity we put in all the water pipes we put in um, but then they sort of won't have an answer for when people complain that all of this infrastructure is not working properly uh, you can't sort of take credit for putting it all <laughs> yeah. in and then not really mm. take credit when it's not maintained and say oh well you know it's the legacy of the past it's like yes you did put in a lot of electricity infrastructure in Soweto but then you let a lot of it rot. Mm. Um, <laughs> Marius, what yeah. do you make of the uh, Sufi's electioneering? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I think you're both spot on. And uh, we're definitely going to see a lot of stuff about how apartheid is the cause of lots of problems in South Africa in this electioneering. And look, obviously, lots of uh, problems in South Africa are still because of apartheid. But the further we get away from uh, that time, uh, the more uh, because of problems are caused by the current government. And kind of the ANC, it reminds me of, I was reading about a guy in Northern Ireland, uh, and he was talking about, uh, you know, the clashes between the Protestants and the Catholics there. And this politician was saying, look, we need to move past this now. You know, we can't keep going on about the Catholics versus the Protestants. And a guy in the crowd uh, shouted, uh, to hell with the future, let's get on to the past. And I think that's kind of uh, uh, how the ANC thinks of uh, things as well. You know, because it's uh, we, we all know that the ANC is doing a fairly poor job of running South Africa. It's far from its glory days of, you know, the struggle and overthrowing uh, apartheid and all that kind of stuff. So in a lot of ways, it can only hold on to that. Even though, I mean, the initial post-apartheid period, the ANC did pretty well on any kind of measure you mm. look at. More people were getting oh. electricity, more people were getting water, more people going to uh, getting educated. Incomes were going up, and they all kind of stalled once uh, they got rid of Thabo Mbeki, who you can also criticize for a lot of things. But the economy was doing fairly well under him and uh, the people he appointed to, you know, Trevor Manuel to finance minister and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, I mean, the ANC is obviously going to, I think, look back on, uh, you know, it doesn't really have much, too much to be proud about at the moment. It has to look back, uh, you know, even 15 years ago when it had been in power for a while. But yeah, mm. it's, um, so I think we're going to see a lot of looking backwards. And, you know, it's like same as when you're driving a car. If you always look in the rearview mirror and never look in through the windshield, you're going to crash because you're always looking behind you, not what's in front of you. Mm. Um, it's very interesting, Michael. So uh, there's another story we considered talking about today, but haven't included here, which is about 
uh, comments made by the ANC opposition leader in the Western Cape, Cameron Dugmore. Uh, and it's exactly the sort of uh, kind of politics that you're concerned about, Michael, which is um, immediately claiming that the DA does not like black people and that infrastructure, that you know, not enough money is being spent on sort of handouts and that kind of thing. It's very um, grievance-based and not really... Yeah shall we say, constructive. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's, it, um, and it, 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 what it effectively really does is undermines the, the, the sense of agency that South Africans really deserve to have. And, and do, uh, you know, they, they do, they are, we are agents of our, of our future. Um, but it's this constant um, demeaning of, of that, which is, which is tedious. Um, so an exciting election year, I think, but, uh, <laughs> but we, we should expect more, more of this, uh, to come to the fore, I'm sure. Yeah, I will just say that, um, you know, we've got a whole bunch of really important elections all over the world this year. We've got ours in South Africa, of course. Uh, there's one in mm. India, uh, very close to the South African election, probably. Um, there's probably going to be one in the UK. There's going to be the US presidential election. By the end of the year, I can guarantee you social media is going to have gone absolutely <laughs> yes. mad. All I'm these sure. elections together, mm. you're going to have every political weirdo and grifter trying to inflame people are going to have political campaigns throwing everything at the wall to seeing what sticks You're going to have you know uh, <laughs> iran and china and russia trying you know to influence the, the conversation in certain places all over around the world you're going to have all sorts of nonsense don't be surprised if this year is a particularly mad year <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> politics around the world not just in south africa mm. uh anyway that's something to keep an eye on um I hope that you all found the show interesting and we will be back, of course, tomorrow with the Daily Friend Wrap. Cheers, everyone.